Hey everyone, welcome back to a new video. This is going to be my last video for the week, but I hope you all have a great weekend. Before we get into the stories, I wanted to give a trigger warning for story number two for sexual harassment. I just wanted to let you all know. As always, if you have a story of your own that you might want to share with everyone here on the channel, you can send your story at southerncannibal.com. All that being said, I hope you all enjoyed this one, and I'll see you all again on Monday. Without further ado, let's get into the stories. And remember, to always stay hungry. In my early 20s, I worked in a call center for a well-known tech company. If you've ever worked in a large-scale call center, you know that it's common that you're not given assigned seating, so who you sit next to depends on your shift and desk availability. After I'd worked for this company for about six months, a group of new hires entered the floor. A tall skinny man sat down next to me and said hello. I returned his greeting and accepted an incoming call right after that. As I listened to my customer, I had a chance to take a look at my desk buddy. He smelled of stale cigarettes, his hair was greasy, and his clothes were wrinkled, and obviously too large for his frame. This was no surprise, as the call center often hired people who were down on their luck, but the next few weeks would prove to be some of the most unnerving I've ever experienced. His name was Ian. We happened to work the same shift, which began at 5am and included weekends. He gave off vibes that were chaotic, and he typically spent his breaks walking quickly around the five-floor building. He also had a habit of appearing in whatever room I happened to be in during my own breaks. If a desk close to mine was open, he would use it. When I walked out into the entryway of the building, he was always waiting by the front door. When I exited the restroom, he was leaning against a wall in the hallway. When I took my lunch break, he would always walk into the break room and make a beeline for my table. He even made it a point to leave his desk and follow me into the elevators at every opportunity. If I was left alone with them, he would tell me long meandering stories about his chaotic life and he would ask uncomfortable prying questions about my own life and schedule. All of this might not have been as creepy if the majority of it hadn't occurred before sunrise and in a building that was mostly unoccupied. I really lack the confidence that I now have in my early 30s. And yes, I had told my supervisor and team lead about this on several occasions, with no results. One Friday morning, as I took my usual lunch break at 9am, I sat down at a table with two co-workers who had become friends. We had all been in the same pool of new hires. They were aware of the debacle involving Ian, and if they could, they would alert me when he was nearby. On this particular morning, my back was facing the hallway right outside of the break room. As I was speaking to one of my co-workers, Brittany, her face went from warm and smiling to attentive and tense as she then looked over my shoulder. As this happened, I then heard Ian say very loudly, Oh look, there's my cute little redhead. I shrunk into my seat. 
I pretty much instantly wanted to run and hide. Without acknowledging anyone else at the table, Ian pulled out a chair next to mine and sat down. We all just gave him weak smiles. I looked up and I realized that his eyes were now red and he appeared unsteady. I could smell hard liquor on his breath as he spoke. His clothes looked like he had been wearing them for the last three days. He leaned on the table, looked at me, and then slurred. Why haven't we gone out to dinner yet? Sorry, I don't date co-workers, I said flatly. Ian looked at my co-workers. Isn't she cute? He practically shouted. I like you, Anna. One of his hands flopped heavily onto one of my shoulders. Without thinking, I stood up and said to my co-workers, I'll see you guys on the floor. I should get going. Ian looked almost insulted as I pushed in my chair and walked away. As I left the room, I heard him yell, I love you! And I then scurried to the nearest elevator. As the doors began to close, I heard a chair scrape across the tile floor, followed by quick footsteps headed in my direction. Why won't you talk to me? Come back! Ian shouted. A couple of minutes later, the elevator doors opened, and I then shakily returned to my desk. My shift had ended at 3pm. The company parking lot was huge, and on that particular day, I had to park unusually far away from the front doors of the building. Remembering what my mom had taught me as a teenager, I walked to my car with my keys squeezed between my fingers, ready to be used as a weapon if necessary. Of course, in spite of the time of day, no one else was in the parking lot at the time. My heart thumped against my chest as my head then moved in a swivel as I approached my car. Hey! A familiar male voice shouted behind me. A cold shock jolted on my spine, and I jumped, breaking into a jog. Hey! He yelled again. Don't ignore me! Stop! I could hear footsteps approaching and keys jingling from one of his pockets. As I jogged, I gripped my car fob in my hand. From a few feet away, I double-clicked the fob, unlocking the doors. I flung the door open, leaped inside, and locked the doors just as Ian approached with a furious look on his red face. I looked out the window as I then stuck my key into the ignition and started the engine. I threw the car into reverse backed out before Ian could block me in, threw the car back into drive, and took off. In the rearview mirror, I could see him angrily throwing his hands up into the air. Instantly, I decided to call in sick the next day, and then alert HR about my experience. Well, HR didn't seem overly concerned when I called them. No resolution was given, but when I returned to work two days later... Ian wasn't there. He was also absent on days 3, 4, and 5. On day 6, right after my shift ended, I turned on the local news. Ian Elias, age 47, shot and killed his ex-wife. After that, he took his two young daughters and went across town. He then had a standoff with the police before shooting and killing himself. 
His daughters were unharmed, thank goodness. As I stood in front of my TV, I felt my mouth fall open. I couldn't believe my ears. I felt faint as I recalled my last interaction with them, wondering what would have happened if he had actually caught up with me in his mental state at that time. Ladies, trust your instincts. If you feel uncomfortable at work, please tell human resources. Although I was completely unharmed, I wish I had done so sooner. Clearly Ian had some serious mental health issues, but a part of me still feels like this was a close call, and to see this man on the news later on was nothing short of surreal. I'll have a link to the news article in the description if anyone wants to follow up to the actual story. So, back when I was 17, I used to work at a trade shop. A place where builders, electricians, plumbers, and those sorts of workers would come in and would provide their essentials and whatnot. When I first started, I met this guy who we'll call Roberto for privacy. He was a tall 21-year-old guy who was really shy at first, but once I'd gotten to know him better, I learned that he was very religious and had never been in a relationship in his life, not even kissed a girl before. For context, I'm a female. I'm bisexual, and at the time I was dating a girl, and had been for three years. Roberto wasn't homophobic, not that I knew of anyways, and he was nice to have a shift with. That was until around a year later when I broke up with my then-girlfriend. I was now around 18 and was currently trying to get the supervisor role that had just opened up. My manager had asked me to give it a go, so I agreed. Roberto was also asking about it, not knowing that I was currently undergoing training to become the supervisor and that I'd been offered it. Anyways, before I found out, one night I was on a late shift with them. My manager had asked us to go and put the delivery away in the back. We were chatting and joking with one another when we then got to talking about girls and relationships. There was a point in the conversation where Roberto asked me about my liking towards men and how much I preferred each gender. I was honest with them, telling him I liked girls more, but that I wouldn't turn away a nice guy if I ever found one. He seemed to perk up at this, and as if he had been waiting for me to say that for a while, he told me that he was a nice guy and would definitely be able to show me what men could be like. Me thinking he was joking, I just laughed it off. However, as I was about to pick up another item from one of our large metal containers that one of our deliveries arrived in, he came in behind me and forced me against it, chuckling in my ear from behind me. Roberto was tall and rather strong, so there was no way I was able to push him off. Not knowing what to do and being completely caught off guard, I just laughed at him and I told him to get off. He did after a short pause and I turned to face him, seeing a weird creepy smile across his face. He then winked at me and carried on with the delivery. I just brushed it off as just some one-time thing and as days went by, he didn't really do anything else. That was until about a month later Another one of my colleagues, another girl that I was secretly seeing, 
offered to drive me home after work. Roberto was on shift, and she knew that Roberto lived close by and asked if he wanted a ride too. He agreed, and he sat in front whilst I sat in the back. When we arrived at his house, I stepped out so that I could swap and get in the front. Although as I was saying goodbye to him, he asked for a hug, which I gave to him. As I went to pull away, he pushed my back against the car and then leaned in to kiss me. I was truly shocked and taken aback. Before his mouth made it to mine, I leaned to the side and pushed him slightly away from me. He looked me in the eyes and then laughed, trying to play it off like a joke. It happened so fast, and I was genuinely confused as to whether or not he had actually done that, so I just patted him on the back. He stood up real tall again, then sang, One day, before turning and walking away. When I got back in the car, my other coworker wasn't aware of what had just happened, as she had been on her phone. She was creeped out though, and she told me to keep an eye on him. The last time he did anything strange like that was right before I was officially made supervisor. I entered the locker room at the end of the shift, just finished locking up and was changing my shoes when Roberto walked in, closing the door right behind him and smiling at me. During work time, usually Roberto was extremely normal and nice to me. However, at times like this, he was so strange and creepy that it gave me goosebumps. The locker room was pretty small, and having him in there with me all alone made me so uncomfortable. He said hi, then got his own shoes out, replacing them with our company work boots. He had made small talk, but once he had gotten his own shoes on, he quickly cut off my story about my plans for after work. He shoved me hard against the lockers, and he pressed himself up against me very fast. I didn't even have time to react before he yet again tried to kiss me. I turned my head last second, feeling his cold lips on my cheek. I shoved him away, not really making him move much, and I finally spoke up. Seriously, can you stop doing that? I said, not laughing this time. He stood a little to the right of the door, and he started apologizing. But before I let him finish, I quickly made my exit and headed home. A few days passed and Roberto was still on shift with me and he hadn't spoken to me all day. Well, turns out, he was told that I'd become supervisor and he was not happy about it. Well, his shift ended before mine and a supervisor needs to sign people out. I was on shift with one other supervisor at the time who was taking their break. So when Roberto came up to the desk to get signed out, he just steps away after seeing it was me and waits a few meters away. I ask him if he needs me to sign him out, but he declines, saying he will wait for the other supervisor to return. When I told him that they were on break, he told me firmly he would wait. I pushed a little, which in hindsight I probably shouldn't have, but I was really so puzzled as to why he wouldn't just let me sign him out. Come on, let me just sign it, I said but I was then cut off with an angry tone. You know what? Just because you're a supervisor now doesn't mean you can come in here and do whatever you want, he said, 
not making much sense. I will never listen to you. I've worked here two years longer than you. You're younger than me, and you're just a girl. So don't try and tell me what to do. Do you understand? He finished. By now, he was a lot closer, and I could smell his breath. I looked at him with so much disgust that he frowned, as if he was surprised that I didn't cower away. You know what? Go fuck yourself, Roberto. Grow up and learn how to take a hint. I said, referring to just how creepy his advances were. I signed the sheet, and then just watched as he then walked away. I know it's not the scariest story ever, but he was such a strange dude. And I actually found out recently that right after I quit, that he was actually let go from his position after attacking a girl that worked there when I did. She was younger than me, and had apparently joked about him being a virgin at 25 after calling her a slut. And he shook her violently, saying that just because she was a woman didn't mean he wouldn't hit her. The guy was a mess and clearly needs help. There were so many other things that were also said by him, but these are the most prominent. While in college, I worked the night shift at an assisted living facility part-time. I worked 1.30 a.m. to 6.30 a.m. in a building all alone. Keep in mind that I was a 21-year-old woman at the time, so working alone at night could sometimes be a little eerie. But for the most part, it was a quiet job. I had been working for about six months with no incident until that night. For some context... All of the exits had alarms that would sound and light up whenever opened, so it was always obvious when someone entered the building. I kept the back door locked, but the main entrance would always be unlocked at all times, in case we had a fall and I needed to call an ambulance. Everything was quiet that night, and I was sitting on the couch in the main living area with my back to the kitchen, when suddenly the phone rang. It was 2.30 a.m. at the time, so it was a little strange, but I figured it might have been one of the other caregivers in a different building just checking in. However, the caller ID was showing that it was a private number. I answered it anyway, with the usual. Thank you for calling. How may I help you today? There was just silence on the other end. I hung up after only a few seconds of waiting because I've seen way too many scary movies to know that the silence usually ends in a creepy voice or heavy breathing. After putting the phone on the hook, I went back to the couch to scroll on my phone to pass the time. Shortly after I sat down, I started to hear a loud whistling noise coming from the kitchen. Not a mechanical whistle, but the type of whistle you hear from a person who is just strolling around the house. I didn't hear the back door alarms go off, and the front door was visible from where I was, so I knew that no one walked through it. I assumed it must have been a resident who had woken up, so I turned around ready to offer assistance. However, the whistling stopped suddenly, and there was no one there. At this point, I started getting a little paranoid, but again, I was a 21-year-old girl all alone, so I got scared easily. My racing thoughts of ghosts were then interrupted when our buzzer system went off, signaling that a resident 
I'll call her Judy, was in need of assistance. I speed walked to her room, and I asked what she needed. Before I could even ask anything, Judy then asked in a slow, tired voice, Did you see that man? What man? I asked in a shaky voice. She responded, You know, the man that's outside my window. Don't worry, I saw him leaving, and he's probably headed around the front of the building. Oh, and the little girl crying is bothering me. Can you tell her to stop? I didn't have the guts to press my face against the window to check for anyone outside. Instead, I attempted to reassure her that there was nothing to worry about, and I then left the room, feeling even worse than before. Thankfully, nothing else happened that night, and I was able to calm down. When I later on spoke with a coworker about what had happened, he looked stunned, and then he asked, Did the owners not tell you about the man who tried to break in? Apparently, there was a man who repeatedly tried to break into the facility at night, and no one bothered to tell me when I took the job. I don't think that explained what happened that night, though, as none of the alarms were set off. I didn't work the night shift much longer after that incident.